You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's sermon is preached by Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, the Holy Spirit wants to provide for us, to give provision for us, so that when the devil attacks our faith, when he throws us in prison, when he causes us to doubt God's Word, when these things happen to us, we would know where to look. So we have the example of John the Baptist. John came first, before Jesus. He came uh, first to preach. He was the first to baptize. He was the first to preach repentance and the kingdom of God. He was the one who was preparing the way for the Lord, who was tearing down the mountains of pride, who was lifting up the valleys of despair with his preaching of law and gospel. And John really, I mean, the more we read about John in the Scriptures and consider his life, we see that John was a hero. For us, his convictions were firm. He stood there in the wilderness in a long line of prophets who came before him wearing camel skin, preaching to whoever without fear. At least it seemed like he had no fear at all, no fear of man as the prophets had commanded. And he just let the people have it. He blasted away of, oh, brood of vipers, John would preach. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And it didn't matter. It didn't matter if they were soldiers, commanders of armies. It didn't matter if they were Pharisees, part of the religious ruling class of the time. It didn't matter if they were Roman or Jewish rulers. He he preached with a conviction, which spoke not only of his personal confidence, but also of the work of the Holy Spirit in John's own heart. For months he stood on the bank of the Jordan River, crying, as it was promised, as he was prophesied. But now, Matthew 11, our gospel text, we find that his work, at least his public work of preaching, is finished, not by his own choice. He was in prison. He was in the dungeon of this castle in Machaerus, one of the fortresses of this uh, wicked fool, Herod Antipas, and, and John was there in prison, cast down in this dungeon, we remember, because he accused this Herod uh, because he had married his brother's wife. And now John, for his preaching, as the Lord sent him to preach, was sitting there. In, this, in the midst of this palace, it, was, it would have been full of the sounds of drunken merriment all around. And here John is sitting there in the dark as if his preaching meant absolutely nothing. As if, as if the kingdom that he was announcing, the kingdom of God is at hand, as if that kingdom would come to nothing. Now John's disciples were able to come and go and visit him in prison. And they would have brought him news of Jesus. That's how the text began. John heard of the deeds of Jesus, and there's no doubt that that's the thing that John wanted to know the most. Go, he would send them, go, what's happening out there? What is Jesus doing? And John would get the report. Well, he's teaching. He's teaching the kingdom of God. He's teaching in parables. He's performing various miracles. But you won't believe what happened the other day. Jesus, in fact, called one of his disciples a tax collector. And and not only that, but Jesus was eating and drinking with those tax collectors. Jesus is, is feasting with sinners. 
feasting. Now, John the Baptist hears that, hears about that when he's sitting there starving to death in prison. As, as he remembered how he, how he was sent by God to eat locusts in the wilderness, he's feasting? Has he taught his disciples to pray like I taught you how to pray? He would ask him, and they would go and find out, no. Has he taught you to fast as I taught you to fast and deny yourself? No. So that John is hearing all of these things from Jesus. Some of them, no doubt, would have been comforting. Some of them, no doubt, would have caused John to really question. And into the mix of all of this, as John sits there in prison, with the feasting of Herod all around him, with the news of Jesus coming to the disciples, coming from his disciples, now the test comes. And here's Herod ruling in luxury, the Pharisees in Jerusalem still in their haughtiness, and Jesus doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. And and Jesus doesn't seem to be doing anything to help John either. John must have considered, I think about this, John must have considered all those Old Testament promises about how the Messiah would set people free from prison. He would proclaim liberty to the captive. He would set at liberty those who are oppressed, Isaiah 49, 8 and 9. The Messiah was supposed to bring prisoners out of the dungeon from the prison, those who sit in darkness, Isaiah 42, 7. He was supposed to set the exiles free, Isaiah 45, 13. Say to the prisoners, come out from there, Isaiah 49. He would quote, hear the groans of the prisoner and set free those who were doomed to die, Psalm 102, verse 20. The Lord sets prisoners free, Psalm 147, verse 7. I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit, Zechariah 9, 11. You don't wonder if John thought of those texts and looked at himself sitting there. And the devil comes to press him hard. John begins to doubt. Is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the one we've been waiting for? Or is there another to come? Did I get it wrong? This, by the way, is what the old theologians, the old pastors used to call the dark night of the soul. The greatest battle that all of us will face when faith is directly assaulted by the devil and by everything else that is around us. We we hear about it in the Bible. We know especially about Job, but it is not uncommon. In fact, in one way or another, this dark night of the soul comes to us all. Now, I'd like to let this old theologian Alfred Edersheim unfold it for us with John. Here's how he describes what was going on with John in prison. Edersheim writes, And yet further and more terrible questions rose in that dark dungeon like serpents that crept out of the wall. They would uncoil and raise their head with horrible hissing. What if, after all, there had been some terrible mistake on John's part? At any rate, the logic of the events that were unfolding were all against him. John was now the fast prisoner of that Herod to whom he had spoken with authority in the power of that bold, adulterous Herodias. If he were Elijah, the great Tishbite, 
who had never been in the hands of Ahab and Jezebel, and the Messiah, whose Elijah he was, didn't move anything, could not or would not move, but rather was feasting with tax collectors and sinners. Was it all a reality or, oh, a thought too horrible to utter? Could it have been a dream, bright but fleeting, uncaused by any reality, only the reflection of his own imagination? This must have been a terrible hour for John and the power of darkness. Edersheim continues. At the end of one's life, and that a life like this of such self-denial and suffering, and with a conscience so alive to God, which had, when he was a youth, driven John burning with holy zeal into the wilderness, to have such a question meeting him now at the end. Are you him, or do we wait for another? Am I right, or was I in error in leading others into error? This must have been truly awful. Not Paul, the apostle, when forsaken of everything and laying in a dungeon, the aged prisoner of Christ, not John Huss, who alone at the Council of Constance encountered the whole Catholic Church and the flames of martyrdom, but only he, Jesus, whose soul, over whose soul crept the death coldness of great agony, when one by one all light of God and man seemed to fade out, and all that remained burning, his own faith in the Father, could have experienced a bitterness like John experienced in prison. Let no one dare to say that the faith of John failed until the dark waters have rolled up to his own soul. For mostly, all and each of us must pass through some like experience. And only our own hearts and God know how death bitter are doubts. Whether, of the, whether doubts of the head or doubts of the heart, when questions after questions raise themselves with devilish hissing, and earth and heaven alike seem to be silent. So far, Edersheim. And so it was with John. I remember reading some years ago from Philip Melanchthon, the old Lutheran, and he, and he talked about this. He said that for the true Christian, Doubt like this, doubt is worse than death. And this wrestling with what is true, this struggle with the truth of Jesus Christ, this is the most terrifying contest that we will face. It comes to all of us creeping, the creeping assault of the devil on our own faith. Now one thing, at least, is that when we see this struggle of John the Baptist, we know that we are not immune to the devil's attack. And if he, if he attacks John in such a way, he will attack us as well. And he does whatever he can to try to destroy our faith, to cause it to wither or to strangle it. But here's the crucial point. And here's what we are supposed to learn from John. Here is how the Lord is providing for us today. Our struggles... And our difficulties and our doubts and our fears, these should drive us to Jesus, not away from him. And that is the crucial question. In the midst of your doubt, in the midst of darkness, 
in the midst of questions that don't seem to have answers, where do you turn? To Christ or away from Him? Edersheim, and I know I've read a lot of Edersheim already, but he picks up this thread really well and and gives us a little bit more. Here's another paragraph. He writes, In that terrible conflict, in that dark night of the soul, John overcame, just like we must all overcame, his very despair opened the door of hope. The helpless doubt which none could solve but one, he brought to him around whom it had gathered, Jesus. Even in this there is evidence for Christ as the unalterably true one. When John asked the question, do we wait for another, light was already starting to beam through the darkness. It was an incipient victory, even in defeat. When he sent his disciples with the question straight to Christ, he had already conquered. For such a question addressed to a possibly false Messiah means absolutely nothing. In other words, if if John really thought that Jesus had nothing good to say, if Jesus was not the one, he would have never sent his disciples to Jesus to find out if he was. So it must ever be with us. Doubt is the offspring of our sinful disease, diseased from our own paternity, from, from the fall of Adam. And yet, it cannot be set aside. This doubt is the outcome of the worst or the problem of all the best souls, but twilight may fade into outer night if we turn away from Christ, or it may usher in the day... The answer depends in this, whether doubt will lead us to Christ or from Christ. Again, so far, Edersheim. In the darkness of doubt, it will get darker or the light will come, depending on whom we seek. And if we seek for answers in ourselves, or if we seek for answers in anyone except for Christ, darkness leads to further darkness. But if we seek for answers in Jesus, then darkness gives way to light. And that is the victory. Jesus, sorry, John sends his disciples to Jesus, and that is the victory. Because Jesus has the words of eternal life. Jesus has comfort and peace. Jesus is the light that lightens the darkness, and His Word is the Word that upholds faith. So John the Baptist's disciples returned with a sermon from Jesus. Tell John what you saw. The dead are raised, says Jesus. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed are those who are not offended, who are not scandalized by me. And John would carry the light of that sermon, that Jesus truly is the Messiah, the fulfillment of all of the promises of old. John would carry the light of that word with him through the darkness, even to the end when finally his head was cut off in that prison and delivered to Herod and his wife Herodias. John's faith was sustained then. And it was sustained, this is the key, it was sustained not by the strength of his own conviction, not from the sturdiness of his own character, not from the fortitude of his own mind, but it was sustained from the word of Jesus. And it is true for us. I mean, we are no different. 
The devil is after our faith. He's after your faith. He's after our trust in Jesus. The devil loves our doubt. He loves that hour of darkness when question after question rolls over our minds and our hearts and our conscience. But just like John, our hope, our only hope is in Christ. He is the one who keeps us. He is the one who confirms his word. He is the one who brings light. He is the one who creates our faith and sustains our faith beginning to end. He is the one who sends his Holy Spirit to enlighten our minds, to bring us through death to life eternal, where he will gather us at last before the throne, where John is already. Jesus keeps you. He kept John through this whole thing. He kept Job through this whole thing. He's kept your fathers and your mothers in the faith through this whole thing, through this dark night of the soul, and he has brought about the dawn of joy and peace, confidence and hope. So we are provided for. When the dark night of doubt comes, we know where to go. We turn to Christ. We hear His Word. We are assured by His promise. And we rejoice in His death and in His resurrection. Go, says Jesus to the disciples of John. Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard. Go, Jesus says, also to us. And rejoice in the things that you have seen and heard. That Christ has died and Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. May God grant that this light would shine in our own hearts until the day that we see him face to face. Amen. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.